Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Up next, it's the Brews and Bruins podcast. But first, take a walk through downtown Portland, Maine with Drew. Hey guys, Drew here. Beautiful day, beautiful afternoon here in Portland. Um, Sorry I wasn't able to make the episode last night, but just wanted to give you guys a a quick couple thoughts on Game 6 and uh, preview of Game 7 here. So Game 6, the way the Bruins responded gives me some hope. Um, it kind of, it still kind of feels like a game four though. When you win game three and four, you feel this confidence, and then every time they play in Raleigh, uh, it has not been good. Uh, and that's a trend all season long as well, not not just in this series, uh, which I think is something people have alluded to a lot. Just comparing it to the regular season, it looks like how the Bruins played against them in the regular season when they're in Carolina, uh, when. They're in Boston, suddenly, in the playoffs. Uh, It didn't look like this at all during the regular season, but at home in the playoffs, um, they've been able to rally. Uh, I think the atmosphere makes a huge difference. I think that's a a nod to the crowd, almost. Um, And obviously, home ice, there's other advantages. You know, you're you're at home and all that. You're you're living at home. You're not in a hotel room on your own ice. Your own facilities uh, probably feels more natural. But I think having the crowd behind them has really helped. Um, and I think that's spread some confidence. It's translating that into rally. Now, they've had three tries, and they have not been on their A game at all. I wouldn't even say their C game, um, except for maybe some flashes where they have been able to execute finally. As I've talked about before, the zone e- exits and zone entries, it's just continued to be a problem. Um, and they're not able to generate really many scoring chances in front of the net in those prime spots uh, because of that. Um, but in Boston, they're able to find it. And in Game 6, there's a couple lucky ones there. I mean, Coil, I mean, great hand-eye, great reflex time. Uh, you know, hit the nail on the head with that puck, like, on that on that redirected uh, pass to him. Um, uh, but, you know, that's a lot of luck, and that's the kind of things you need. And the Bruins haven't been having that sort of uh, sort of luck in, in Carolina, but it has in Boston. So, um, you know, hockey gods at work there, too. But to translate it into Game 7, I think the big thing is going to be the power play. I don't think there's going to be a lot of penalties in Game 7, unless they're offsetting. Uh, I think, you know, we, we've seen it so far this series that it's kind of like one way or the other. Uh, there was one uh, on foreboard uh, there. Uh, or actually Derek Scores brand. Um, he uh, he had one on him like roughing after the whistle that was only called on him. I don't think you're going to see that much in Game 7. I think they're going to try to maybe toe the line a little bit more. Uh, and instances like that where it didn't seem forward to uh, too much more uh, than the opponent. 
Um, but when you do get those chances, they really need to execute. The power plays look dismal most of the series. Uh, you tip your cats, uh, caps to the uh, the Canes PK, though. Um, I think that's been part of it. The other part of it is, is Bruins just haven't looked comfortable at home. It, it, they're able to figure it out, but it's really translating that to, uh, to an away game in Carolina that's going to be a big difference for them, I think. Um, if they can do that, I'm feeling good about them winning this game seven. I really do think it's going to be the difference. I don't see this one being a blowout. When both teams have their backs against the wall, as in any game seven, um, it's just, <laughs> it's all out on both sides. I expect it to be a grinded out game, and one power play goal could be the difference. Um, anyway, guys, thanks. I just rambled on for a little bit there. Um, and uh, go bees. Let's get it. Let's fucking get it Welcome in. It is a post-game six victory recording session tonight. I am Cam Hasbrook. We got Chris Gear. No Drew Johnson tonight. He is tending to some pet duties, apparently. Uh, but we do have Kat Silverman, who is a regular on the show. Uh, good, sorry, good friend of the pod. Eh, friend of the pod, Kat Silverman. Uh, we are, po- as I just said, recording post-game six here. Bruins forcing game seven. Going back to Raleigh on Saturday night and. Here we are. The home team has won every game so far in this series. More on that in just a minute. But first, we're having some victory beers. Uh, mine's foaming up pretty good because of the aggressive cracks, so I'm going to send it over to Chris, who already already had to deal with some foam pre-show. All right, baby. We've got Sam Adams Tropical Wheat Ale, juicy and refreshing, just how I like it. Uh, let's see what we got here. August is when it was uh, – oh, we got 5%, 25 IBUs. I would say probably not as juicy as uh, purported. Tasteability is, is low. It is uh, – give it a 9 tasteability. Drinkability, very high. Richie, what do you think about the drinkability of this beer? Uh, 29. Yeah, 29. That's what I had last night, right? No, it was a different one. No. Shout out Richie. Uh, He's going to come over maybe and say hi. I don't know. Richie did say say hi to you before before we started recording. Hell yeah. Then you didn't show up for a few seconds, and I uh, forgot to say that. Yeah. Well, it's the uh, Rams Rams Bills opening night for uh, Thursday Night Football. It's going to be a fun one. Oh. NFL schedules released today. Anyway, fuck that. We're talking about playoff hockey right now. I care deeply about Thursday Night Football. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> trying to corner our audience right now uh cat what you got over there um i have a sierra nevada uh sunny little thing citrus wheat ale uh, it's from sierra nevada brewing company in chico california and mills river north carolina uh just in case you've never heard of sierra nevada just, yeah. just making sure man <laughs> it is uh five percent um let me see is that because Chris is a sunny little thing? That's exactly why I picked it. He's my sunny little thing. Um, <laughs> he's got a uh, sunny big thing. He's a little tall. 
Piece of shit. All right, anyway. Not, not that kind of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right, welcome to Bruce and Brew after dark. Hey, it's Bruce and Brew. Yeah, this is 10, 10 13. I think we can run this stuff. It's all right. Um, this is, you, you can taste this. It's pretty orangey. Um, I'd give it a, I don't know, 30 tasteability, 15 drinkability. It's pretty drinkable, um, but it does have that, I mean, it's a wheat ale, so unless you're down to just absolutely clown. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, down to absolutely down clown. To just go hard with, with a bunch of heavier wheat beers that you kind of have to cap out after a few of these. All right. It's good though. It's nice. Uh, I'm going with a uh, day trip session IPA. Really light, only 4%. Uh, New England's first crappery. Oh, it's Geary. I didn't even realize. What do you know? Um, it is a described, which I definitely appreciate as uh, a highly drinkable, and then it says parentheses crushable. So it's highly drinkable, crushable beer. Uh, hey, which we definitely enjoy. So, sometimes podcast. we need our drinkability spelled out for us on the year. Uh, That's true. They're they're on the it, it is easier when I can just read from a can instead of having to act like I have um, master taste buds. But um, yeah, four percent really light, uh, a little bit hazy, but definitely crisp and crushable. It kind of reminds me of like the the Rec League IPA, uh, which I think is an IPA from. Uh, uh, my God, I only have it every other fucking episode on here. Uh, Rec League. So, yeah, but what's the brewery? Oh, Harpoon. Harpoon. There it is. <laughs> right at the same time. Uh, anyway, uh, drinkability on this. Definitely high. Really does not taste like what you think of an IPA. I guess it does, but it's really light. Uh, drinkability is going to be like a 33. Taste. Probably like a 15, but like a respectable 15. It's, like, it's a pleasant 15, but it's not... Uh, overwhelming by any means, but uh, what was overwhelming was the Bruins game tonight, and the scoreline, I guess, kind of leads to, like, a very dominant Bruins win, which I think by the end it was, but that was a very tense 40 minutes of hockey. Um, what Take me through, I guess, your experience. I know you guys said you were watching at the bar, but uh, kind of a, an emotional roller coaster for this one. The Bruins finally getting out first, but it didn't feel like they had it on all that much, couple of really close chances for Carolina. What did you guys feel for this one? I felt pretty comfortable after the second Bruins goal. Uh, I will confess that we missed the the first Hurricanes goal and the third Bruins goal, so we kind of missed out on that on that roller coaster ride of like, okay, maybe the Bruins are going to piss this one away again, and then okay, momentum back in the Bruins' favor. So, yeah, I didn't, didn't really catch that. So I, I think, at least from my perspective, I don't know about you, Cad, but I was, I was never really feeling like the Bruins weren't in control of that game, at least once they'd scored those first two goals. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. I think uh, they certainly didn't look like the dominant team, right? Like, I, I don't think they came out and looked like they were just going to run away with it, but... I think they, they hung in it until they scored their first two goals, and then after that looked a little more comfortable and confident, which I think with this group against Carolina is about all we can ask for. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think uh, it's pretty evident that like Carolina is a, is a different team when they're not winning, and 
Yeah. They're a team that really imposes <laughs> their system really well, but they they have to kind of puck chase a little bit more when uh, when they're down. And for the Bruins to finally get an early lead, especially in the elimination game, was massive. Yeah, I feel like the Bruins don't like quit when they're down, but it, it's been tough getting opportunities in Carolina for them. When Carolina's been down, they look like they have no chance of coming back. Like they're they take their foot off the gas. Pretty yeah, well. one one of the things I noticed was on that last power play the Bruins had when they were up. I think it was three one, and that was when they scored the fourth goal. Um, or maybe no, I think they were up four one at that point. Um, but they had a power play, and both I believe Bergeron and Marchand were in the crease, like poking away at Antiranta, like even after the whistle and no one came in to like clear them out. They were just like, fine, you have at it, do whatever you want. And that to me is the sign of a team that has absolutely quit. And like, yeah, they quit in this game, but also we kind of felt like after those two games in Boston, that, that Boston really took it to Carolina kind of felt like, Oh, this team is, uh, maybe not quit, but they're really like the Bruins have really gotten in their heads now momentum's in their favor. And then they come back and blow the Bruins away again in Carolina. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not calling this like, okay, the, the Bruins have, have totally gotten everything back. It's all good. Like they're going to go blow the doors off them in game seven, but you know, you got to feel pretty confident about at least being able to hang with this team. Yeah, I think especially when you look at like with how the first two games went, uh, I would have definitely taken game seven at that point. So um, it's been a weird series again. Like you, you tweeted out the scores earlier, but it's been pretty much a by the end of the game, it's been a, a high scoring margin between the two teams. It's appeared as a blowout, whether or not it really was throughout the course of the game has kind of changed, but not too many like nail biters. And I mean, it's weird, especially as Bruins fans, we get a lot of them, but um like going six games into a series and not seeing any overtime for a series that's now tied at threes is strange to have that much uh, back and forth, but from the course of, of game to game. So uh, obviously there's going to be all the, the 2011 narrative because it's the last time the Bruins did this uh, games one through six went all to the home team during the 2011 cup final and the Bruins turned it on in Vancouver. Um, if they do win, that's going to be like probably an insufferable day of <laughs> headlines the next day for from everybody. But um, yeah, I mean, I, as far as I'm feeling, like, I, I don't know how exactly to feel. I, I think, like you said, tonight, I, it's nice to see them, like, win kind of kind of handily. Again, I thought the first period, I actually thought Carolina was better. But as, as soon as the Bruins got those two goals, you're right. There was a point where even after Sveshnikov scored that first one, which was a really quick release by him, um, I never really felt like we were – we were losing it and stuff. So I, I didn't feel like there was going to be, I, I don't know. I didn't have that impending doom that I felt like I should have had uh, from a, a game six, one goal elimination game. So um, I do want to give shouts to Charlie McAvoy on the, the other goal that you guys said you had missed uh, the little dip and duck looking like Kale McCarr and then finding Eric Hall on the back door with a feed was beautiful, especially after uh, the, just the shift before taking what looked like a really tough hit to the shoulder from uh cook So, um, yeah, we were nice we were to see him bounce and, back and get the honestly probably the best stretch of five v five the Bruins have played all series, Chris. I'm sorry you missed it, but they were absolutely swarming leading up to that goal for a solid. We, we were out getting ice cream with, yeah. with Isabel, so can't complain. Yeah, for, for celebratory ice. What'd you get though? So. What did any of the ice cream so, pass the Drew test? 
I went no. I went cookie dough. Usually does um, with some sprinkles oh, yeah. and Oreos. Good choice. I went mint with M and M's, which is kind of my go-to. It's a real nice mix of chocolate and mint, but it's got the crunchy shell, so you don't get like a chocolate chip with mint. Usually, sort of is that like a, after a while? Is that a pre-made, or did you just get mint and add in like M and M's? Oh, we were at, we were so at Cold Stone. We were at Cold Stone, yeah. Oh, okay, nice. So you get it like mixed in and everything. Yeah, yeah today oh, was kindergarten shit. graduation. So oh, big we, day. Yeah, yeah, which I didn't know was a thing. I also um, didn't know that was a thing because we definitely didn't do it. When I was did they have any oh. like songs prepared? Was there a performance or what? They had eight. Eight songs. They had eight, eight songs. songs. Eight songs. Seven, seven is a musical. It was a, so it was a musical for most of the children. Um, mine gets a little. <laughs> A little bit of stage fright. She's not a not a big public speaker performer. Um, she likes to be so reserved she, about her her podcast and other appearances. Yeah, she she stood at the she's she's one of the tallest kids in kindergarten, and so she was in the very back row, like in the shadows. And we waved to make sure she saw us, and she very resolutely did not make eye contact with us. And then as soon as they all started singing, she like burst into tears. And sang all the songs through tears, like that like gift that, that Pete Blackburn makes yeah. to use the girl doing like the Mariah Carey thing <laughs> with tears like streaming down her face. Except Iz didn't do any of the hand gestures that went with any of the It was songs. very fun. So it, it was like a group of, of like 30, 40 kids, something like that. It was more than, more than that. So it was like 50, 60 kids, something like that. And there were two children not doing the, the hand motions. And Isabel was one of them, and then one of the other kid wasn't even singing, which was very. The other kid just stood there. Just, that, that was my energy, like <laughs> you sing. Yeah, the kid wanted no part. He he got taken away for a brief bit, so I think he also was not. A no, big this was a different kid. That was a different. It was one. a kid standing in the back left oh, who was just maybe. like not there participating was, at all. There were three not participating then. Cause there was one that got taken away for he, a full song, he, and then he, he came, came back. He and, came back and did some of the hand motions. But did not sing. He did not sing a single word. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was. Didn't it get the, the good the prep pep thing. talk in the intermission. So before before I forget, we did get a little sidetracked. But when you shouted out Charlie McAvoy, I also wanted to shout out the the hit of the playoffs so yes. far, McAvoy and Aho, which yeah. was like a weird. Pretty setup. incidental, it looked like. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was almost entirely Hampus Lindholm making a short pass to Charlie McAvoy while uh, Sebastian Aho went after the puck, and yeah. that's the thing where like Charlie McAvoy just ends up being the guy who delivers the hit instead of takes it because yeah, he, he just becomes just a like a bowling trailer. ball. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, that was just like a collision course that wasn't even didn't even look like really a hit hit. It was just like a it it seemed kind of like McAvoy. Like you said it was like a bowling ball and then he just, just sort of room. got fun just well yeah Mac- McAvoy had the puck and Aho just didn't see him so he was going after the puck after after Lindholm dropped it. So, I mean, that's the classic, like, keep your head up, kid, because that's not like Charlie McAvoy wasn't headhunting for him. He was, like, going after the puck, and he was in possession of the puck. Um, it was like like when I run into a tree on a run. But was, tr- keep your head up. <laughs> truly, truly, you cannot beat, like, that style of contact where it was, like, Ajo's shoulder, like, he leaned all the way over, so he got like his shoulder over, 
and just helicoptered like that that was in real time you can't beat that the slow-mo is a little weird like doesn't necessarily do it justice but if you watch it in real time like full speed oh my god what a hit i think yeah. i kind of turned to the side to like grab a sip of your beer or something and out of the corner of my eye i just see like like disney on ice i just see like <laughs> spinning and i was like oh what just disney above the um, ice yeah <laughs> yeah the, i mean like if Aho had been down for a while and hadn't like immediately gotten up, it, mostly Aho just looked like he was upset at himself. Yeah, yeah. he just had his hands on either side of his head. He, like he put his hands on his head for a second and then like looked up and was just like, "I don't even know what happened there." Yeah, like how, how did I let myself do that? I know at first I thought he was trying to like sell it or something, just because like I don't know. It's hard with a play like that because the guy did get helicoptered. So you feel like, all right, yeah, I mean, he probably he, he could have sold. He could have barely sold it in the. Bruins would have ended up with a game misconduct. So. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. He did like kind of for a sec, and then he like looked over at the ref, and he was like, <laughs> it "Would have been five on three. Yeah. Uh, of course, there was the uh, the Derek uh, scoreboard uh, talk to at ten forty three of the third period that really put it away. Um, and then the I guess like, to see Curtis Lazar get one too. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Yeah, one one thing that I wanted to kind of pick your guys' brain about uh, right after I tell you something about DraftKings. Yeah, I appreciate you referred to it as a singular brain. I, I, your guys' – I feel like you're – that's kind of implies. Your brains. Your brains. Oh, that's the part that – yeah. You know, it's been a long day. Um, you know what? We're just going to – I appreciate the it. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official <laughs> sports betting partner of the NBA – this week, customers can bet just five dollars and nineteen to win and get one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. We can turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs with DraftKings same game parlays. You can do just that. Create your own parlay by debating multiple bets with which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, or other stuff, and more. And boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout right now. All customers who place the same game parlay with three or more legs get a free bet back of up to twenty-five dollars if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets. If they do, that's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Uh, one thing I did want to pick your brain about was, was Trent Frederick getting inserted back into the lineup, uh, taking a penalty at a not-quite-opportune time. Where do you guys sit on uh, on on the Freddie wagon right now? Would you rather see somebody like Anton Bleed? I've seen a lot of discussion on the Twitterverse about where you guys kind of landed on that. At some point, you have to stop committing stupid penalties, right? <laughs> no, I don't. Know. Yeah, I think that's a pretty big I assumption. A, <laughs> I think that's a, I think that's a hockey. Idea. Like, like that's a that's a game processing thing because it's not like he's being malicious it's just being kind of stupid it's almost friends. like like at a certain point you either figure out how to read the game more instinctually so you aren't do, making these split second reactions that get dumb penalties held or you you never quite reach that processing level and you continue to take them and like i don't know how many games it takes to evaluate that but i'd assume we're getting close yeah, it seems like you've been like enough at this point. Can't. Yeah, I just I don't think Chris Wagner is the solution. Like, I, I know you mentioned Anton Bleed. I think he had a couple of flashy games in the middle of the season that made people say, "Oh yeah, we need this guy in the lineup more." Um, but in general, he's just not. 
very good. Like, I don't think anyone is making a difference there. So, I mean, if you want to put Bleed in, he's going to have to be on the fourth line, and then you're bumping somebody up to the third line. And, like, is that Thomas Nosek? Like, I don't I don't. He doesn't do anything uh, yeah. for me. So it's just whatever happens. Like I feel like it's going to be bad. Maybe you just let him take the penalty and kill it off, and hope hope it doesn't kill you. But yeah, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's exactly it's it's a like a winning formula. But yeah, uh, yeah. It's where's my guy like, Oscar Steen? You know, like <laughs> honestly, yeah. Like true. I don't know. Like I just kind of feel like. I don't know. Like, are you really risking that much putting him in? Like, I feel like he's probably got more upside than the other two, and at least he'll be fired up. Like, I don't know. I don't think he's going to take a dumb penalty. Like, or at least the odds of him doing it are smaller than Frederick, and the odds of him helping are higher than they are with with Wagner. So, I mean, I don't know. They're probably not going to toss him in for Game Seven. But I was, I don't know. I'm a little surprised, especially with with Freddie kind of getting shown some pine there in the middle of the series that maybe we didn't see something from him. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is I don't think Trent Frederick is, like, that good of a hockey player where you're losing that much when you take him out of the lineup. It's That's just what like, I'm saying, yeah. He's he's better on the third line than any of the other replacements. So, yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. Like, what I, we were all super high on Oscar Steen in the regular season when he had that Godzilla, run. And then he, yeah. went, he went real cold offensively, but still looked good Fuck defensively. It. Yeah, I don't know. Like, what – I just feel like as far as, like, kind of, like, probably pretty meaningless substitutions go, like, it's a pretty low risk and, like, moderately reasonable ceiling. <laughs> just... yeah, this is where you miss your uh, your Austin Zarnick types. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, your, the your Bruins were one of of years past. From, yeah, who's kind of lighting <laughs> it up. But um, there was some – oh, Jeremy Swayman. What do we think of, of Sway tonight? Sway oh, Prince. A king, yeah, yeah. absolute wonderful gem. That's so. Perfect. So I missed the episode where you guys talked about like the debate of who to play in Game Three. Um, I, I didn't really get my chance to to offer my advice. Or I guess it it was Game Three. It was the it was the series preview because it, it was like pretty game obvious. Three series that, preview. No, the the series preview like before Game oh, One. Oh, before. Okay. Um, I missed that episode as well. Uh, <laughs> so my my thoughts there would have been like, yeah, obviously Olmark's the hot hand. Like, yeah, you want to start with him. But I feel like in terms of ceiling, like when you look, when you go into a playoff, just the playoffs in general, like you want to, it's all vibes. You want to oh, go nice. with the person who's who's got the highest ceiling. Like I think if you're, writing up like which Bruins goaltender led them to the Stanley cup off of just like sheer insanity. Like one of them just goes nuts. Like, I don't think Olmark's the guy you're going to go like, Oh yeah, this guy, this guy stole like a few games and won the con Smythe. Like, I think you can reasonably write up like Swayman had like a, a two shutouts in the Eastern conference finals and, led them to the Stanley Cup final. Like, I don't think that's unreasonable. Just kids fives. <laughs> Which, like, I, mean, I, he's I think got, that, he's got be better honest, vibes. Like, it's, it's, like, it's weird, but, like, it, it's, it sounds so, like, 
kind of dumb, but it makes this is sense. The, this like, is the analysis that you have to do when it comes to the Stanley yeah, Cup playoffs. Like, no, it's just like... We're no longer, like, studying expected goals charts. Like, right now we're reading, now we're reading, like, the alignment of the planets. Yeah, it's like palm signals and shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's fucking... I mean, it's, you've seen it with, like, with, with teams like the Rangers that, like, really took off in in the you know, the regular season. And now it's just Pittsburgh's played a better job of, and, and you see it with, with the better, with, with these games throughout this series, the home team who's won every time. It's the teams who just like win the individual puck battles and just funnel pucks. I know we've heard a lot on the TNT broadcast, but funnel pucks through the net with bodies there is, is how you win the playoffs. It's, I mean, how many goals this, this playoffs have been like, oh shit, that was nasty. Usually it's just like, Joe Schmo fucking banging away because it hit off some defenseman's ankle at the top of the crease and the goalie wasn't ready for the rebound. Like that's that's just how playoff hockey, that's how you win. So um it's just kind of I mean it's vibes, you know, it's all vibes. Um and what else we have to talk about from this game? I feel like there was something else. Um Tony D'Angelo was a little quieter, so that was nice. I didn't feel didn't like I noticed him as much. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, I, I love how he's so he, he's so controversial. Rar XD, where's the black so, hat around? Just not the number pretty, one pick, and like, what the fuck is this? They love this dude. It's weird. Honestly, it's, it's fucking weird. They're like cult they, hero. They mic'd him up and they only showed him for like one 12 second clip. Yeah, like what else was he saying that whole time? Yeah, he couldn't air it. Or what were people saying to him? Too, probably. It seems like they probably uh, mic'd him up with. The, the expectation that he has to I think they, they mic'd him up with the expectation that like he has to behave himself I guess is the best way to put it um, it's so, probably Brindamore's idea <laughs> I just, it seems, like, it seems like one of those things where I mean he's been he's been talked about whether good or bad I would argue mostly bad he's he's been a name that's been talked about and you mic him up and you say, hey, you won't do yourself any favors here if you say anything stupid, which luckily is everything he says. So he just didn't say anything, it seems like. seems like he kept himself pretty quiet, which I think is not, not, not a good look for I'm not him. giving him credit for keeping pretty quiet. It was I think, not a good look. Right I think they had unusable B-roll of him just being unmitigated trash. Yeah. Like, they didn't show anything on the ice. It was just him on the bench being like, yeah, nice hit. Thump, thump, thump. Like, it was nothing, like, nothing. Like, usually when they mic somebody up, you hear, like, the kind of whims of, of them, like, skating with their teammates or, no, on the draw and do this. And let's his go, was buddy. all on the bench, like, yeah, let's go, bud. It's like, oh, that's really weird. Like, you want to show him on the ice or are we just going to keep that one off? But, Speaking yeah, of Tony D'Angelo been... on the ice, and I, I don't want to talk about him too much, but the it, it wouldn't have been a, a Hurricanes game without him doing one garbage thing and that was uh hitting Hampus Lindholm yeah uh what was that the end of the first I think so yeah yeah it was, yeah. It was like less than a second left in the period and he just like ran him into the corner and like drilled him yeah pretty high yeah <laughs> and he's like oh me uh the Tom Wilson like oh I didn't know it was just, you know hockey <laughs> like this guy who just came back from getting fucking cleaned out yeah, and it's the tint advisor kind of concerns me. That streams somebody who's like still dealing with concussion symptoms, which I don't know. I, you know, uh, to be honest, is you get two people over here who've had many concussions, and 
just in general, if you have concussions, like you're just going to be more sensitive to light. So, yeah, like that doesn't necessarily mean he has lingering. Yeah, more, like he's. It's, at, I think it's a permanent lingering. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not more like it's not it's not indicative of him not having recovered from that particular concussion. It's just like a thing that's going to be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's a preemptive thing to to prevent triggers. Um, if they, like, I, th- I think it is David Perron who wore a tinted visor. I think continually for multiple yeah, days after a while, yeah. after a concussion. Uh, just to like a preemptive. You don't want to trigger anything ahead of time. Um, yeah, vibes. Know. Yeah. Vibes. <laughs> vibes. Concussion vibes. Vibes. Are vibes. <laughs> Um, the only other thing that I think will be talked about from this is the Brad Marchand double minor for spearing penalty, which was a little weird. So what, not having sound, uh, what the hell? How do you even get a spearing double minor? Like, I thought double minors were only for, like, bleeding. Yeah, so like, or, like, somebody from his stomach like, or something. Two, like, separate penalties. It's not like they gave him, like, Spearing and slashing, they just like, oh no, he just got two for Did spearing. He spear him like twice. Like, no, that's the thing. Like, I, I don't know. To be honest with you, I saw a replay. It was slow motion. Who knows? It looked a little soft, but especially for yeah, spearing, I mean, that's so usually something like maybe it's penalties. Did you yeah. see it from the back angle? Because I didn't see any other angle from than from behind him, where you can't really tell if he actually like jabs yeah. hard or anything like that. But it's to the midsection, which is yeah. generally better than. Stabbing somebody in the penis, yeah. Um, Although which was is something like, that was, he's done before, and that kind of there is a little bit of a, a, a slash from Kakeniemi to somebody's nuts. But I was trying to make a Kakeniemi joke, and I wasn't sure if there's gonna have a line out to be honest with you. But uh, I, my thing is like, I regardless of whether or not the spear was dirty, which again I, I probably would need another angle. I'm just really confused about the call itself because usually that's like it's like a two out of ten with a misconduct or like maybe a five, but like just like no, you just got two penalties for the one play. Like that was just a double penalty. It was extra penalty. Yeah. Like imagine people, they call uh, somebody for tripping and it's like, yeah, double minor for tripping. And it's like what the fuck? Call like, in or send that? us an email, like if you know the NHL rule book, somebody at Tim Peel or something like that. No, he, yeah. he he loves he loves <laughs> responding to random me. tweets on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I, t- I saw that one. The last person to get it. Get an <laughs> no, I, oh, exactly. I, I saw. I forget who it was. I think it might have been DF or some some one of our buddies on the internet who uh, who like tweeted something. So I don't I don't know exactly what happened, but I I think somebody like in the middle added Tim Peel and maybe asked him for a ruling on a specific rule. And rather than like read the first tweet in the thread, Tim Peel like re-asked, what's going on, everybody? <laughs> what's the rule you need help with? Whereas I Jesus. don't know if he knows how to go back through a Twitter thread. Yeah, honestly. I don't I don't know. T- Tim Peel for all the like for as bad as he was on the ice and for like as bad as the opinions he had off the ice. I don't know. He's like an interesting fun follow on in, on Twitter. I don't know. He got he got real attacky at Leah Hextall a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Like in a good. pretty unacceptable way and then like called her out for blocking him for it. Which I don't love. I miss that. Um, <laughs> it was it was a newer thing for him, but in line with him is is a 
person, I feel like. Also, every single human being on the internet ganging together and saying, uh, yeah, Hextall sucks uh, at broadcasting. I, I watched her, I watched one of her games, I think I've watched two of her games in the last couple of days, and like, mostly I'm on the, I'm on the, like, the side of all hockey broadcasters mostly suck. That's the thing. I don't think she's worse yeah. than Pierre Maguire. Exactly. That yeah. is my that is my standard of. Well, so it's a pretty low bar. It, it, it is a low bar. Well, so but that's it the wouldn't bar, be right? it wouldn't be comparing to Pierre Maguire because she's doing play by play now, um, and I I think most of it is just men having an issue with a woman doing play by play. Like I can't have this be the voice that I hear every second of the hockey game, and my issue is not hearing a woman do be the voice of every second of the hockey game it's hearing a voice every second of the hockey game i'm watching the hockey game i don't need a voice every second of the hockey game i would absolutely love for those people to do radio broadcasts because that's really helpful but i don't need that for a video broadcast i think absolutely should there should be accessible radio broadcasts for for people who don't see uh i absolutely don't need somebody telling me every single thing that happens on every play i'm watching it it's so bad you're fighting I just want people, battle there yeah i just want people like well yeah it's the, it's the classic like hockey hockey culture will not budge on anything and this is like a baseball broadcast is the perfect example of like all right they just like hang out and vibe for nine innings like yeah yeah Every couple of pitches, when you the, head down the play by play, I'll be like, split. and the pitch, ball inside, and then like they're just talking for the rest of the time. But like, I understand hockey is always action, but there's not always something happening within that action. I think soccer broadcasts are are like the perfect example of like how to handle that. I think. Mm. Cassie it, it's Campbell's quiet broadcasts have been pretty good. I think she does mostly color, but. Whoever she usually gets partnered up with, I think they do a pretty good job of. I feel like it's not just constant bombardment. And honestly, the Kings broadcast, I think, does a really good job of not just being constant, like reciting what's happening on the ice. Um, but like you said, I think it's it's her, and she's got a higher pitched voice than most of the other women who have made it in broadcasting and yeah. hockey and i think a- that- aj malesko is like uh, i feel like people have generally been more accepting toward her um yeah than okay. Lydia Hextall, but- yeah yeah going back to either way to the hockey broadcasters get your shit together the- going back to the ruling on the double minors which is where we yeah. started uh, I don't know why anybody's surprised by any, like, I, whether it's a, I, I don't understand anything about how anything's being called during this series. So yeah, it's been I a think joke. It's, <laughs> yeah. I just can't believe, again, we got another scrum, not in this game, but in the previous game, we got another scrum where the Bruins come out shorthanded after the scrum. Derek yeah. Forbert goes in. Max Domi, they want to. It happens thirty five times a, a game. Scrum and yeah, and, and we're just absolutely gonna like I watched the replay like four times, and there's absolutely nothing there that would give anybody a penalty, let alone the Bruins ending up shorthanded. It's pretty fucking wild. I think in this yeah. game we were watching a couple of the penalties that got called, and I think 
a lot of them looked consistent with what's being called in this series. Yeah. But not consistent with what you'd expect in the playoffs. I don't mind that so much. Because I I I do think there should be more penalties called in the playoffs than there usually are. Just because, like... I think there's a happy medium between what's normally called and what the series is getting. I guess, I guess. But I hate the idea that, like, a team that's really successful in the regular season that mostly lives off of having great special teams um, mm-hmm. can't succeed in the playoffs because there there aren't the opportunities to capitalize on that. Like the Rangers are a good example of a team that's just basically all goaltending and power play. And like, that's a fun team. That's, a, that's like a fun style of team and one yeah. that you would love to see succeed in the playoffs. But I get a little bit of the pacing, especially because in the playoffs, OT doesn't have a finite limit to it, so you want to keep the pace of play moving a little faster. Plus, for excitement purposes, but I, I get that. I think power plays are fun. But yeah, and it's also like a... I, I know you hate when I bring up Connor McDavid, but it's one of those things. Like, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, like those types of players who just, like, when they have the puck, generate opportunities, and guys are always playing catch-up with guys like that. And oftentimes commit stick infractions on them, trying to keep up with them. And when those aren't called, like even in the regular season, those guys typically do not draw as many penalties as they should. So especially in the playoffs, when those guys are playing a good game and don't get rewarded for it, it's really frustrating to watch. I kind of love it. I like watching people get away with things. As a goalie stand right there, yeah. Yeah, because I think it's. I think it's less fun watching them put on just like a shooting clinic. I think it's fun watching actual good goaltending too, which doesn't work against like just Connor McDavid. Um, yeah, yeah, typical goalie over here. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll that. That one's two one games. Yeah, one nil. <laughs> when you think back to some of the best playoff games we've had in recent years, I. I still think that that Rangers King Stanley Cup final series was one of the best we'll get in a very long nah, time. And most me, of those games were what, give, one give me the Bruins scoring three goals in nine minutes against the Maple Leafs. Yeah, no, that, that was fun. That was very fun. That's a good time. I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you there, but I, I definitely think that keeping the pace of play going there are some teams that are really good at killing momentum by drawing stupid penalties that I don't think should be penalties in the first place. That's, and, that's fine. Like yeah. thing, things like that. But if you're, if you're having Connor McDavid just like skate by people and like the only thing they can do is hook them to keep up, like that's a penalty. Yeah. My thing, uh, I don't even care too much where you draw the line. I just want there to be like a somewhat consistent line. I know it's a tough Cam, job and it's Cam, like, Cam, I know it's never going to happen, but it's Cam, just like. They had to put in replay because there was a literal line on the ice that they couldn't yeah, keep track of. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. It's true. And <laughs> like, no like I, I think. I think a lot of times when we have these discussions, we like lose sight of the fact that like we are watching it from the third deck, unless it's Florida, in which case you're trying to look over fucking Taco Fall's shoulder to get over the glass because the camera <laughs> angle is like fucking like below the Shout ice. Taco you know, Fall, I, believe was, I believe he was in Boston for the <laughs> yeah, for and the he was in Portland earlier, but um, not today. But um, and my thing is just like so like 
I get annoyed when it's like a the scrums that the Bruins get a penalty for or shit like that, and then like the Charlie McAvoy interference call last last game in in game five was like the biggest like just what the hell that has not been a penalty the entire series like the guy chips the puck around him and that and happens McAvoy on every pretty much single just play. skates yeah like he doesn't get out of his way obviously. He shifts maybe a half a foot he, to the left, but it's a pretty a natural bit, skating but they're both motion. Going like, for the puck. Yeah, it's they're a body positioning play that will literally happen. I think sixty times a game, and the fact if that McElroy there's like cherry pick the McElroy call and chip that himself. Yeah, I, I think that's a no call because they're both going for the puck. Yeah, it shouldn't change just because McAvoy chipped it. Yeah, I just don't understand like that shit where it's like, all right, really? Like, and it's frustrating at that point because it's like, really, I just watched an 82 game season for you to call that as interference and then they're going to score on the power play. So, honestly, if the Bruins, if the Bruins lose in game seven because the Canes are just a better team, fine. But I just don't want fucking power plays like that where it's like, well, I don't know, it's three to one because McAvoy just got an interference penalty for the same thing that's happened 75 times over the course of the last game. But hasn't been called until now because you drew the lucky number. Like that's the only thing I'm asking for here. And I'm fine if it's fewer penalties. I'm fine if it's more penalties. Like I don't know if you want to call that a penalty. I think it's a pretty awful penalty to call. But if you're gonna do it, then just like continue to do that, and you'll have 700 penalties a night. But it's just the the cherry picked ones that I think you know I get that you're frustrated about at least. But um, we'll wrap this up here. I have one more question for you guys. What do the Bruins need to adjust in Carolina to finally win in Raleigh and move on to keep their playoff hopes alive? Oh, don't look at me. Um, I think Bruce Cassidy needs to entirely change the lineup again and just like keep doing that. Where just, you never know. Where it's coming <laughs> it's just from. like keep yeah. guessing. Like it's gonna be like Hall of First Line Center. Like Bridge is gonna be center. He's, like he's Freddie and and he's been changing Oscar the lineup Steen. every single game, and it makes no sense to me. But whatever, as long as they win. Yeah. And, like he had the he had the Coil Smith, uh, DeBrusque line back together at one point. Uh, yeah, just uh, like that together today. The, I think that was last. Was that, the, that was last game. Who was on the ice with Coil and Smith when when they scored? Coil and Smith. That was Trent Frederick. Trent Frederick. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the original second line at the start of the season was DeBrusque, Coil, and Smith. Or it was a Hall, or a Hall, Coil, and Smith. And uh, DeBrusque was on the third line. Yeah, what – I don't know what the lineup is in, on a daily basis. Like, Grizzlick sitting, I guess, like, makes sense if – yeah, they kind of like he kind of led into the injury thing there, but it wasn't like oh he's hurt. It was like yeah, he's been dealing with something. He's and dealing with some rest. stuff. It's his night to rest yeah. in Game Six, so I was like, that's a little funky, but all right. It doesn't help that Forbert scored like that, and it's not like that was a skill goal or anything. <laughs> um, what do you mean, dude? He was aiming for Kakanyemi. <laughs> yeah, he, he tossed one on net from the point. Well, it's not no, 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 no. <laughs> he he pinpointed where Kakanyemi's stick was going. He's like, I'm gonna slide this <laughs> off the stick directly over the goal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, That's yeah, score so, work. I mean, I'm I'm arguing with people on Twitter about Mike Riley on on the daily. So come at me about that. <laughs> Even people who don't hate Mike Riley that much are still like, come on, man. Like you gotta come on, chill out with this stuff. <laughs> He's not that good. <laughs> I just I I have this thing in my like 
everyone keeps saying shit. Mike Riley took another uh, stick infraction. It was another yeah. high stick penalty. Yeah, and I everyone everyone piled on about that. That was his only penalty in three games in the playoffs so far. Uh, Derek Forbort has ten penalty minutes, and no one is saying shit about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, they, they expected out of him. Here. Yeah, <laughs> it's because he's not high sticking people. <laughs> Uh, forward had more penalty minutes during the regular season than Mike Riley did. Like, and there's a big guy expecting him to take more penalty minutes. Well, yeah, he took a lot more penalty minutes. And it's because he's big and slow and people skate around. Yeah, say, it's not that he's big, it's that he's slow. So that's the thing that'll get you. Uh, especially as a defenseman, you can't be affording to, when you're turning around to catch the forward, it's a problem. So, and I appreciate the, the like big block games he's had where like, yeah. especially on the penalty kill, like that's important stuff. Blocking shots yeah. on the penalty kill is very noticeable. Blocking shots on at five on five means you don't have the puck. It, mean, it means you are not possessing the puck. Did Mark Giordano just take a face off for the Toronto Maple Leafs? I think he did. <laughs> I, yeah. Oh, we were getting a little bit of a ref show tonight too with the linesman just couldn't drop the fucking puck. But um, that was, I think that was I think Giordano. I think linesman show without like just won't drop the puck guy is the worst it's uh, the worst the fucking thing. like yeah the nhl is like everybody's tuning in for game six to watch the fucking like referee the ref fake out fake, jordan stall yeah, like, yeah bitch that's right jordan stall with trees bergeron i'm taking a photo hey kids remember that night it was, guys uh, in the league. Let's it was may 12 2022 out. two of the best face-off guys in the league i fucking dunked on twice i tossed them out of the circle it was sick game six of the playoffs look it up guys right next guys to the calling his kids after the game like hey, yeah. you see me out there yeah, who knows Matthew Matthews who got tossed from the face-off yep. for Mark Giordano? I'm uh, honestly like... Which is good for him. I think he won that face-off. I know that says about Tampa, but... They got a couple of good face-off guys. I don't know who was in for that one, but Sorelli's pretty good. Apparently somebody who Braden can't be Mark Giordano. <laughs> it's a small sample size. For a second, I actually had to like dig in my brain and i was like wait am i forgetting that mark giordano is a forward <laughs> no you but are not no, forgetting not. He's, he's 37 years old and he has definitely been a defenseman <laughs> the entirety of the time he's been in the nhl not just almost broke my brain <laughs> like just permanently <laughs> have i just have i just not been paying enough attention to mark giordano i'm sure the next pod with years. a fucking tint advisor on it's <laughs> 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 gonna be good <laughs> Oh, Jesus. No. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, game seven Saturday. Watch it. Obviously, we'll watch it. We'll talk about it after, and we'll either be happy or we'll be sad. And that's the podcast. We'll see yeah. If, if the Bruins win, you'll get some insightful uh, discourse. If the Bruins lose, you'll get Drews and Druids. You get Drews and Druids, <laughs> and probably a lot more hard liquor this time. So, did you listen to Drews and Druids? No, I did not. Oh my goodness. Good. Yeah, it's high comedy. I, I recommend keeping it that way. Yeah, <laughs> I, the episode where Drew got high and read the Wikipedia page for the Drew. <laughs> that was after game that. two. It was a tough time. It was a tough time. I saw that and I immediately said, mm, "I have other things I could listen to, and I think I'll choose those." You're losing us DraftKings money by not doing that. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. You gotta pay for that house somehow with the DraftKings Druids money. So, well, I, I did hear like Chris absconded 
to the space station with a beer from our house. So I absolutely did. We yeah. have very little in the way of sustenance Impressive. at our house. We just have beer, champagne, champagne, champagne. Um, we have, we have, we have a bottle wine. of white wine. We have champagne. We have some. Uh, uh, most no, Modelo, Chelada, uh, Limoni, Sal. Uh, we did have some peach margaritas. Dan drank all of those. those. Yeah, and then I think we have one granola bar left. I've had so. none of them, so uh, uh-huh. <laughs> that's good. That's great. I'm gonna bring some pasta by there. We'll be good. Yeah, if anybody wants to come uh, hang out at our new house, uh, anybody would like watch to help out, us, watch out for the nails on the floor. Yeah, you have to you have yeah. to do something to the house um, to improve its status right and now. We'll watch out for asbestos. We're getting rid of that soon. <laughs> I'll be there after the asbestos is gone. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, till I guess probably Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I don't know. We'll do a pod at some point. You guys. Can yeah, let's uh, let's do one Saturday. My buddy Nick's gonna be in town. Um, yeah, Nick. We'll we'll get him on the pod. He's he's a wild card. He's been on the other pod, so he I guess can talk on mic. We have proof of concept. Yeah, that's all right. Check out our our ballad episode, Golden Oldies, where we talk about the movie The Apartment. <laughs>